Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the main event. Alright everybody, welcome back once again to another edition of the Best Seat in the House podcast, episode 50, a milestone episode for us, buddy. How you doing today, Dan? Uh, doing good. As you can see, I'm kind of away from home right now because I had to help, had to help, out a little, help out a little favor for a friend of mine, Stevie Lou. So since, since I was here during the time we're filming, I'm, film, I'm filming from an unusual location than my usual spot in my, at home. Exactly. On location at the great Stevie Lou's place, obviously, like it did on uh, the Super Bowl bonus show we did over the weekend, adding a little ambiance to it. I like it. Stevie Lou has some good taste. Yeah, that's true. Yep. This is it's just kind of worked out, worked out that I'm filming here today. It's worked out that way. Very cool. And, you know, also, too, we want to give a, a big shout out to two guys that really helped us out over this weekend, one of them being Stevie Lou for allowing you to uh, use his recording space and everything, his uh, little studio that he had set up, and he, and he helped set you up. So definitely big shout out to our boy Stevie Lou, who I spoke to, and uh, we're definitely going to be having him on soon. And also a big shout out to our guests over this weekend. If you, if you haven't seen it yet, make sure to check it out. The bonus episode number four, uh, the Super Bowl special with Bob Levy. The amazing Reverend Bob Levy, the legend. Dan, it was great having uh, Bob on, right? Oh yeah, it was definitely great having Bob on. That was that was such a fun. That was just a fun show. It was just fun talking to Bob Levy, sharing some little stories, sharing some little sports memories about him and stuff. I like the game, game fans of his teams and stuff. So it was it was just it was just fun talking to Bob Levy. It's always great to hear from Bob. Oh, absolutely, man. And, and you know what? You are right, too, about the little sports stories and everything. I really loved how Bob mentioned that he grew up a Baltimore Colts fan. I, I wasn't aware of that. Were you? I wasn't aware of that. that. That one's a little new to me. Yeah, right? So very cool. Uh, you know, Bob going back to the old Johnny U days. So really awesome um, that, uh, that Bob Levy came on and joined us for our Super Bowl special. If you haven't seen it yet. Make sure to check it out because it was a lot of fun. Um, and yeah, Dan, I mean, you know, so we, we talked about our Super Bowl special. It was a amazing game, really. I mean, I'm sure we'll get into it in a second. The ending, the penalty kind of put a little bit of a damper on it. But I mean, a 38-35 game between two of the best teams in football. That was an awesome game to watch, right? Yeah, that that was just an awesome game to watch. I mean, it just I just had a feeling it was gonna be high scoring, was gonna come down to the last that last little possession, those last little minutes were gonna be very key in the Super Bowl. And like I was right. And that seems to happen a lot in the, I don't know why. It seemed to happen quite a bit with the history of Super Bowls that have taken place in Arizona. I don't know what it is, but just something would that's just happened the last three times the Super Bowl's been in Arizona. It's gone down to those last two minutes. Yeah, that that, that is true. You know, so I'm I'm thinking about it right now. The the last three in in Arizona. What games? Uh, what other two games did you have in mind? Well, for one, I got to mention when my Giants won Super Bowl Forty Two. Of course, I remember watching that one in my living room. Of course, my mother and sister. Were well, of course. Or court and and I remember of course that game the last two minutes, the the Tyree catch, the and the and the Plasco Burris game winning game winning the touchdown catch. The it was all in the last two minutes. Those last two minutes were really key pretty much defined that entire game. Oh, no doubt about it. That then then you got that final that final drive that didn't go well in the for the for the Seahawks in a uh, the Malcolm Butler game, right? Yeah, yeah. He he threw that uh he threw that interception in the last 
like they, they, it was right there, right at the end zone, right at the picking. Probably thought, hey, he's gonna. I'm, I'm watching this game. He says, hey, he's going good. They're gonna try to do a run play. He threw it and wound up being an interception. Patriots won like I've I've lost count how many times they've won the Super Bowl at this rate. But yeah, yeah, they've lost it. They've won six Super Bowls, my friend. Six. So uh, very. Uh, yeah, and and you're right. The uh, the last three, I I forgot. I knew that it was one of the Giants games that you were talking about, but I forgot what the other game was. And you're right. Yeah, the Patriots and the Seahawks, 28-24, a phenomenal game. The Giants-Patriots, 17-14, another phenomenal game. And then the, the game this past weekend, 38-35 in favor of the Chiefs over the Eagles, another phenomenal game. So you're right. Hey, maybe they should just uh, schedule the Super Bowl for Phoenix every year if we're going to get this uh, these kind of games, right? Yeah, I'm sure I'm sure pretty much a good game could happen anywhere they could do the Super Bowl, but that. Besides, not to knock anything about Arizona, but sometimes when you're traveling to the Super Bowl, sometimes you find it interesting to locate. It. I mean, that's kind of a far stretch attending a Super Bowl. But if you're, let's say, you were attending a Super Bowl, sometimes you kind of hope for a little interesting location. I mean, Arizona. All I could really think of Arizona is, I don't know, maybe there's a bit more than I could think of, but just desert and the Grand Canyon, maybe. That's true. A lot of flat land, a lot of sand, a lot of desert. Uh, you know it. There are places there that are are beautiful, but uh, yeah, I mean you're right. Definitely not the um, you know the views that you'd get from a Super Bowl in L.A. or you know the uh, ambiance and the uh, feel that you'd get from a Super Bowl in Miami or something like that. Yeah, like Miami, it's always like a like a neat location to attend a Super Bowl, especially like a you know like if let's say this kind of cold weather, or kind of get a nice little. Get to chill a little nice in a in a in a in a warm weather. Not that I wouldn't mind wouldn't mind a wouldn't mind a, a Super Bowl. The elements I'm in, I, I as as you know that that well I don't know why how this ended up me attending two Super Bowls. But what happened was one time I, I don't know I guess a friend of my friend of my mother's was a with Super Bowl forty eight by luck I get a phone like she called my mother saying uh you want these tickets I don't know what to do with them. And I didn't have time to find anybody that was a fan of one of the two teams because of how cause it was like the day of I handed these tickets and stuff. So I just figured out, eh, well, and I go check it out. First Super Bowl, like, add the elements. I just took my sister. By the, <laughs> way, New, by the way, New Jersey Transit, a big L on that one. Yeah, it's usually a big L. for Anybody I know that takes Jersey Transit usually isn't happy with it. <laughs> I seem like a lot of times they work well, but for some reason they missed they missed their mark on the during the soup. I've gone to giant games and there have been no problem. There most of the time there's usually no problem. The transfer works fine. You know, every, everything's fine. But this one, it took it took they they didn't they didn't like had the frequency of trains going to and from the Meadowlands. I remember having a wait quite quite a bit for the for 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 the train, and we then we should then everybody should have had to wait for. A train back from the Meadowlands, uh, the first leg of the trip, which is you know you, you know you would take the train from New Jersey Transit for the same, you would transfer to Caucus to the train back to the city. Mm -hmm. so, so they kind, they kind of, they kind of didn't quite have the trains ready. It's similar to the fiasco, I'm sure you heard that happened with a couple of WrestleManias that have happened at MetLife Stadium. They had that fiasco too. Yeah, I remember they had. I think it was WrestleMania 29. Uh, 2014, I believe, at uh, MetLife, and yeah, you're right. I heard that the uh, the, you know, people trying to get out of there were not happy, and obviously, driving out of there is always a pain in the ass. But yeah, taking Jersey Transit or really any kind of public transportation was not fun getting out of that stadium. Unfortunately, I didn't get to go, but from what I've heard, yeah, that's that's what happened. You do, I don't know why it's the one little transit agency that. That doesn't seem to know how to handle big events. Like I, like, <laughs> like one thing for sure I know it's like in New York and also subways and everything they handle big events and even and I've seen I guess I I don't know quite because I've never I've never taken an LA I've never been to a UBS arena yet so I don't quite know exactly how that 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 works so I don't so I don't know how to but I imagine hopefully they got they got their shit together. Yeah, well, apparently they did a, a pretty good job from what I've heard this year. Because last year, 
was the only time that I went to UBS. Uh, I forget who the Islanders played. Um, unfortunately, it wasn't the Rangers. <laughs> but uh, the uh, yeah, I went to an Islander game there last year, and uh, it it was pretty good for me driving in. Did not have a problem getting in or out really. Uh, the but from what I've heard, a lot of people last year were not enjoying the experience taking the Li Double R there. But this year, apparently, that they they really have uh had a chance to implement something. Apparently, it's a much more enjoyable experience this year. Yeah, well, I guess there they knew exactly how to get it get it right. I guess the second year around, but exactly time. I guess because it's very it's very hit or miss with New Jersey Transit. There's a lot of times they're reliable, but there's always there's one little time that they just like. They screwed up, and the one time they screwed up with the MetLife Stadium was like they had so much time to be ready for the Super Bowl. They knew it was going to happen. You're right, man. You're absolutely right about that. It's a very easy problem to foresee. It, yeah, exactly. But apparently, I guess they didn't have enough uh, train operators on on operating for to handle that. Whatever, whatever excuse they made, whatever excuse they made. But but all but also speak. Of course, speaking of that Super Bowl. That was actually in the like the fifties, like. Yeah, the was, temperature. You're right. Yeah, the temperature. I mean, the, it was colder. The I think like the next, I think a couple of days earlier, it was cold when I was attending the Stadium Series game in Yankee Stadium, the Stadium Series Rangers Isles. Mm-hmm. Stadium that that outdoor hockey game. Yeah, that, yeah, I remember that one. That was more like what we thought. That that was that weather was best described. Bowl and then the Meadowlands, that's what they thought. That's that's kind of the weather they kind of imagined. You kind of did get that at an outdoor event, but not at the outdoor event you people expected they were going to be getting that kind of weather in. And I even saw jokingly footage of uh, one of the players during warm-ups was wearing flip-flops during warm-ups. So, yeah, as a, as, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like in the 50s. Um, yeah, very true, man. It was definitely they they lucked out that year. Unfortunately, I don't know if we're ever going to see another Super Bowl in this area again, but no big deal. But, you know, looking back on this game for this year, Super Bowl 57, um obviously like we mentioned, great game. Questionable ending for for for, for some people. For me, I'll, you know, I'll explain in a minute, but what did you think, Dan? Did did you have a problem with that holding call, or the, the defensive holding at the end of the game that, for all intents and purposes, really ended it and put them in, gave them a first down and the ability to run the clock out? What was your thinking on that, Dan? Yeah, no problem at all. Like so, so you think it was straight up? Because you know, a lot of people said that, yeah, it might have been a little bit holding, but you know, in that situation, you swallow the flag, right? What do you think? I mean, I agree with you, but what do you think to the, to the people that say that? Uh, I guess, what could you do? It happened. It's it. It's done. What could you do? No need to tip a car over it. Yeah. yeah. No, no, no need to cry over spilt milk or spilt cars or pushed over cars or on fire cars, for that matter. You know, Dan... I, I agree with you. And, you know, I think that the thing that really settles it was James Bradbury, the former giant, um, going out of his way again after the game to say that it was a holding call. You know, he didn't want people dragging this referee and talking about terrible calls and all that stuff. James Bradbury actually came out and took the hit and said, hey, I tugged the guy's jersey. It was holding. I got called for it. Um I'd say that's a that's a stand up move by James Bradbury. What do you think about that? As far as they see that, they're pretty much, I feel, cemented it. If he went, if he was, if he had no problem going out to to speak about it, then that's that that says that says enough right there. Because I think if it would have if it would have been a call that maybe was maybe a bad call, I'm sure I don't think he would have made that statement. You, and you're I, absolutely right. Uh. He was trying to, I guess, I guess in the words of everything, I guess, try to show good sportsmanship. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. And unfortunately today, that's a thing we don't really see too often. You know, we see a lot of these guys kicking and screaming and complaining and blaming the refs, which sometimes it's fair to blame the refs because the refs have been bad. But 
you, you, I, I respect James Bradbury for taking responsibility for that. I have to admit, I've always kind of had, I always thought it was neat the whole thing that they do, they do in hockey. Like they will try to kick each other's ass the whole game, but I mean, especially I mean during playoffs, but they seem to always at the end of a playoff series. They will kick each other's ass, but they will just they will respect each other. Like they will oh, go yeah. good good series, hard fought series. Yeah, bitter rivals, but good luck. You, you know, you know they kind they kind of they kind of show this kind of little respect for you know this kind of kind of kind of mute sort of respect to their rivals. Yeah, yeah, you, you're absolutely right, man. And uh, that that is always a cool thing to see. You know, hockey you love that. Football, unfortunately, there really isn't anything like that. But, you know, you do like, I mean, even after the game, a lot of the guys were shaking hands in the middle of the field. And, you know, uh, you can understand some guys got the hell out of there, which you can't blame them. But that was, uh, you know, a good show of sportsmanship. But, Dan, there is one more angle that I wanted to take on the Super Bowl before we move on. Because as a Giants fan, you know, I think it you got to feel pretty good about how things played out because it's almost like Joe Shane, the uh, the Giants GM, was pulling the strings a little bit in the favor of the Chiefs uh, in this game because it's pretty it's just funny to me that and I know a lot of Giants fans um, probably weren't necessarily rooting for Kadarius Tony to go out there and, and have a, a, a great Super Bowl the way he did, because it does sting a little bit that they weren't able to get as much out of him as they wanted and that he really didn't fit in the Giants' plans. And for whatever reason, it just didn't work out. But what it, it is funny to me, though, that, you know, they traded Kadarius Tony to the Chiefs, who goes out, has a great punt return, takes it back to, what, the five-yard line, whatever, he caught a touchdown in that game. So it's almost like Joe Shane put him on that team specifically to beat the Eagles. And, and then at the end of training camp or right before training camp, whenever it was, they cut James Bradbury, who goes to the Eagles and has a pretty good year. But then he commits the penalty that pretty much gives the Super Bowl to the Chiefs. So it's it's a little bit bittersweet if you're a Giants fan, but there is some sweetness there, right? <laughs> Plus, like it, I kind of kind of was happy to know that I didn't have to deal with the subject looking a, a little bit not far from my house, where I can get a glimpse in the horizon, where I could see in the horizon the Empire State Building that it was not in the colors of the Eagles. Very true. Very true. That does make you feel. Uh, a lot better <laughs> knowing that, uh, you know, it, it's it's not going to be lit up in eagle green uh, tonight and uh, kind of shove it in all of New York's face that uh, the Eagles left to go home and uh, no Super Bowl championship for them. And, uh, hey, you know, great game between two great teams. Um, it's probably not the last we've seen of both these teams in the Super Bowl for the next couple of years. I'm the, the Eagles window is still open for at least another couple of years. And the uh, Patriots, uh, the Patriots <laughs> force a habit, the chiefs their their window is open as long as Patrick Mahomes is there. Right. Yeah. He's a, he's turning into probably one of the greats of his era. Yeah. What we're for. And this is, he, and this is only like, it, he hasn't been around very long only a few amount of years and he's already uh amassed a lot so who knows what the gonna happen the, the rest of the way with his career because we're just looking we might be looking at one of the greats of our time absolutely man i mean he probably already has kind of forced himself into the conversation for at least a top 10 quarterback right now all time, even not even just of, of his generation. So, uh, you know, he's been to three Super Bowls. He's won two. He's won an MVP. He's won a Super Bowl MVP. Um, you just got to really tip your cap to Patrick Mahomes because that kid is massively talented. And it doesn't hurt that his dad played for 
the team that I'm wearing on my chest and that you're wearing on your chest right now, too. There you go. I was going to say your hat, but. <laughs> I have more in my hoodie, but yeah, of course, uh, we you all remember that. I actually got, I actually got his, uh, I got a signature somewhere in my 2000 Mets yearbook. Really? Very cool. Yeah, because sometimes I've had this with me and I've gotten some players to sign like the page where the picture is. So I've got, it was something that was there where there were some players signing and he was one of the ones that was signing. So he got his signature somewhere on, his signature is on there. The page of the 2000 Mets yearbook where, where you see his picture there. Mm -hmm. It's there. Very cool, man. Yeah, that's a uh, that's definitely a keepsake. As we uh, wrap up the the Super Bowl talk, though, too, I I do want to say that I do think it's pretty interesting right now that we're hearing, um, you know, about the Aaron Rodgers stuff right now. Apparently, Aaron Rodgers now is in his darkness retreat. I believe that that started today. Now, Aaron Rodgers got very angry at Ian Rappaport yesterday for suggesting that his darkness retreat started yesterday. And um, I guess it started today. But I did want to check in, Dan, because believe it or not, we have inside information of Aaron Rodgers at his darkness retreat right now. We actually have a camera in there right now. We're going to take a peek and let's see. How that looks right now. Sure is spooky out here. Probably just a dog. <laughs> Kitty. Those headlight glasses. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> so we see Aaron Rodgers. Uh, you know, that was a uh, inside look at, at Aaron Rodgers in uh, his darkness retreat. So I hope you enjoyed that, ladies and gentlemen. You need you got you got you got you got a hold of that footage. I know, man. It 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 was tough. It was tough. I had to talk to Aaron Rodgers' agent. I had to talk to the Green Bay Packers, but we were able to get it done. Now he might have looked and sounded a little bit like Pee Wee Herman, but I think that's just because you know, with these cameras today, you never know which you know. So hey, I I I think that was a pretty good look though, right, Dan? Definitely was a pretty good look. <laughs> All right. So uh, as as we move on, though, real quick, I wanted to look at the the, the Rangers real quick because we spent a lot of time in the Rangers. So I want to do that bef you know, before we take our, our, uh, our first little break. And I wanted to get in the Rangers because in the second half of the show, then we'll be breaking down some baseball spring training. Maybe we'll even talk a little bit of Knicks basketball as the Knicks right now, just about before halftime, have a 64 to 40 lead on the Atlanta Hawks. Big game as uh, we come down the stretch here in the NBA and uh, the Knicks are fighting to be in a top six spot to be guaranteed a playoff spot and not be in that little play-in tournament. But <clears throat> I did want to talk about our New York Rangers as, man, Dan, this team, uh, we, we are recording this just so you know, before the Rangers take the ice tonight at 10 p.m. against the Vancouver Canucks. So we haven't actually seen the Rangers play since Saturday where they played a great game against the Carolina Hurricanes. They ended up winning that game six to two and our Tammy Panarin scored four goals, man. Uh, you know, we've talked about this on the show. We both love our Tammy Panarin, but he really needed to start scoring more goals and seeing him completely go crazy and score four the other night was just so good to see. Right. Yeah, that was pretty good to see. I mean, there was not only that. When I'm watching that game, I could tell there was a pretty there was a bunch of range, there was a bunch of Ranger fans in the stands because there were a couple of hats that that uh, that wound up on the ice after that hat trick. Yeah, it's true. 
tell there's every every almost a, a huge chunk of the Ranger fan base that lives in the Carolinas went went to that game. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I think you're right about that. I think some people even made the trip down from New York because uh, a lot of people were pumped out uh, were pumped about that. That was a big game in the standings, uh, and unfortunately, you know the the Hurricanes gained a little bit of that advantage back by playing last night against the Washington Capitals. They beat the Capitals 3-2. Now, those teams will actually meet again in a stadium series game on this Saturday. So that's a big game. Um, and us Ranger fans really have to be rooting for the Capitals because right now we have a pretty comfortable lead against teams like the Islanders and the Penguins and the, the Capitals who are hovering right around that 61-point number right now. The Rangers yeah. are at 70 points. And, yeah. you know, we we, we got to make that ground up, right? Yeah, but I also got to say, they said they're doing an outdoor game in the Carolinas. How you got any insight to what the weather is going to be like on the Saturday, especially if it's probably going to be around on the night side? Because that, that's like a... That, that's an... That's uh, intriguing. The, the weather-wise, might be one of the more warmer out on the outdoor games on the warmer side. But I do get, I do get here. Sometimes it gets a little cold there, but and then maybe you get the occasional maybe one snowstorm a year. But apparently, when it snows in the south, like when you get that one snowstorm a year, it just messes everything up. Because I guess oh, they, yeah. don't, I, they don't I've have been a lot down there. <laughs> yeah, you know, I used to go down to uh, Wilmington, North Carolina, a lot. And you're absolutely right. They got, I don't even think it was two inches of snow there one year when I was there, maybe about eight to ten years ago. And they, I was talking to a few of the townspeople a couple of days later, and they were talking about how there were accidents all over the place, and there was traffic backed up for miles, and people didn't know what to do. They'd never seen so much snow, and they were like, yeah, could you believe it? It was two inches. I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah, and then, then we all remember that 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 snowstorm that happened in Texas, the power outages. Yeah, sure. You remember? You probably remember hearing about how how Chrissy Mayer had couldn't had to had to wait longer to return home that time. Yeah, you're right. That that was the snowstorm where it was like ice too, and it like froze the windmills and stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was like that. That was like that. But yeah, I just. I just remember that also because I remember on on when the show she was out saying like somewhere she was talking about she was talking about that something like that back then but that's what I heard um, I mean that, that's what I heard or something like that like someone was someone was talking to her and they were mentioning that she was like sound like this about about getting into out, out of snow so that's what I remember back then yeah man true true. So just to to wrap up on the on the Rangers here real quick before we take our first break, I just want to uh, to ask you this. You know, what do you think? Do you think that you know? Because a lot of people thought that putting Panarin and Tarasenko together, it you know that it would you know that that Panarin would be really setting him up for a lot of these, and that you know you'd have a lot of. Um, uh, assist for Panarin, and then maybe Tarasenko would be the guy scoring hat tricks and stuff like that. But it didn't work out that way, you know, w which is in, in unforeseen circumstances. And as a matter of fact, they even the Panarin really had a lot of that success when Gerard Gallant finally split them up and put you know and bumped him back down to the second line. But what what do you think, Dan? Um, do you think that even if they didn't necessarily do it? on the same line, do you think maybe getting that extra jolt from having a guy that he really likes and is friends with and Vladimir Tarasenko joining this team, do you think that's something that kind of, I don't know, helped or inspired Panarin to kind of break out a little bit? Yeah, yeah, that's probably what, probably what it was. I, I, I feel like that kind of, kind of shifted the momentum that way. And then also be speaking to speaking of hockey. I was reading the news. This game on the fourteenth, right? That's being broadcasted. Luckily, this game's also being broadcast on ESPN TV. I thought I'd never say that because sometimes these national broadcast announcers, I 
I mean, it's a, it's it's not it's not the it's not the, the 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 that golden age when ESPN had hockey that we had Gary Thorne in the booth. All right, this is some whatever whatever announced announcers they have now with the national broadcast. I'm sure you remember those days when we had Gary Thorne doing that. Oh broadcast. yeah, Gary yeah, Thorne was the best. I used to love him. Unfortunately, ESPN didn't do the right thing and bring back Gary Thorne as much as I would have loved that. When they when they announced they were getting the rights to hockey, that's what I thought they were going to do, but they didn't. But and and any anyway, they're doing that, but they're also making a mockery of hockey broadcasts with this. I don't know what is this. I guess whatever reason they just thought, oh, let's make a sports broadcast even more of a mockery of sports broadcasts after they CBS tried doing this, which is. Which is owned by the same parent company, I guess, that runs Nickelodeon or something. They tried doing something like that with some Nickelodeon broadcast that's felt like a little bit of a mockery, a little bit of it. They're trying to do this with the uh, with this, I guess, animated broadcast. I don't know what it is using characters from some show I've never heard of, some cartoon I've never heard of. I I don't know, what <laughs> but it's it's a mockery of this. I mean, it's, it, it it's like a complete joke. I mean, I'm I'm gonna just watch the ESPN broadcast, but I might have to DVR this broadcast just so I can comment on what I saw and subject myself to deep hurting looking at this <laughs> an idea that ESPN or the, the parent company that owns ESPN thought of. I mean, it's, it's like you really need to do that much to. I mean, I, I don't get why they're doing it. Racist. What dumb shit are they going to try to do next with sports broadcasts? Broadcast the NASCAR Cup Series race recreated with Mario Kart? <laughs> everything happening on a track using Mario Kart? Yeah, I, I, Dan, you're completely right, man. I mean, you, I understand that they want to reach out to kids and stuff, but I feel like if they did that kind of thing when me and you were kids, we we would have thought it was stupid. <laughs> I I wouldn't have wanted to watch that crap. I I would have wanted to watch the regular sports. Yeah, exactly. It's I I don't get that right. We we didn't freaking we didn't, we freaking need this dumb that dumb down a broadcast like that. I mean, I was fun. I became a Rangers fan for really fun watching a. Watching a Sam Rosen and then a J J D J D. He was around back then, of course. Those uh, broadcasts and MSG would work, 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 perfect enough. Exactly, and we all grew up watching, you know, J D and Sam and and listening to guy, uh, you know, with the Mets with uh, Gary Cohen and uh, Bob Murphy and seeing Howie Rose and Fran Healy on the TV, you know, before SNY where we got uh, Gary Keith and Ron. And, you know, seeing Walt Clyde Frazier call the game like, you you know, we for, for the Knicks and stuff, we you need that kind of stuff. You, you, you don't have to spoon feed the kids, the sports with cartoons and stuff. Yeah, exactly. You don't need to do that. All right. There's nothing wrong if they're trying to maybe 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 run some kind of highlight program or something. We're interviewing players that they kind of they kind of market toward kids. But. You don't need to dumb down the broadcast of the game. Yeah, I'm I'm totally with you on that, man. That's a uh, big swing and a miss by the NHL there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You don't, you don't you don't need to do that, right? And <laughs> no one, whatever TV company has, whatever networks have the broadcast rights to NASCAR, don't try to come up with that dumb idea because you were so dumb that you just saw that that. Don't don't try that, don't don't try that, don't try that because it, it it would be dumb and then you'll you'll you you ruin Mario Kart for me also. <laughs> a dumb idea to try to recreate everything happening using Mario Kart. <laughs> I can see them doing it now that you don't even keep saying it, Dan, because you might give them the idea. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not gonna mention it, all right? I don't, don't want to mention it. I, I don't I don't I don't want it. I don't. I don't want to end up causing any any ideas from the current current people that hold the broadcast rights to NASCAR. <laughs> Part of the season, Fox, and and the second half of the season, uh, 
M- NBC slash uh, slash Peacock and a uh, USA. That that like I gotta be careful. I don't want to give those rights holders ideas. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And as a matter of fact, with that, ladies and gentlemen, we're gonna take our first break. Uh, we'll be right back talking some baseball and talking some New York Knicks basketball. And we'd also like to announce that now we are being sponsored by BUSR.com. It is uh, the official sports book of Best Seat in the House podcast. And Dan, what do our listeners have to do to uh, get our special benefits? Go to BUSR.com and use promo code BZIT. That's right. Check out BUSR.com. Use our promo code BSIM, just like Dan said, and you can get a 150% bonus on any deposit you have today. Uh, usually it's around $100, but even if you put in less than that, they will, they, they, it won't be the full 150%, but you will still get a percentage bonus uh, on us, on Best Seat in the House podcast. And, uh, you know, so don't forget to go to BUSR.com and use what promo code, Dan? Promo code BSIT. That's right. That's right. So uh, everybody do us a favor and check that out and do yourself a favor and make a couple extra bucks. Hey, and that's right, everybody. Welcome back. And uh, thanks for sticking with us here on Best Seat in the House podcast. You know, Dan, we, we're going to be jumping into the uh, baseball and basketball here in the second half of the show. But, man, you know, the news broke earlier today that, you know, apparently Brian Cashman just can never catch a break whenever he's trading for – Yankee pitchers. I mean, it just doesn't work out anytime he, tra- you know, y- you can go back to Kevin Brown. You could go back to Jared Weaver. You could go back to, you know, any of these guys really go. And, and um, you know, obviously just a couple of years ago, Sonny Gray didn't work out, but they traded for Frankie Montas last year. You know, guy was having a decent season, did not translate to the Yankees too much, although he did throw a good game against the Mets which you just knew that was going to happen. Uh, but now it turns out that Montas is going to have to have some kind of arm surgery. I believe it's a shoulder. And he's going to miss most of this year and potentially all of it. That's a devastating blow to the Yankees rotation, Dan. What do you think about that when you heard that news today? That's got to be a, I mean, a devastating blow, especially at a back, especially like back not so close to spring training when you strike, you're really – you really can't really get like a really sizable move that's really gonna fill that void. I mean, it's not. It, I mean, you're you're not gonna get any move like what? Remember, like at the time, well, I don't know how much it's really the, the the debate it the debate is way up there how much it really worked out for the Yankees that move. But remember, like in two thousand four, their third baseman got 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 injured, and they just made all of a sudden that all of a sudden they just managed to swing this blockbuster trade. That they run, yeah, 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 yeah. Of course, like I said, the debate, debate, the debate is up on the air whether that worked out. But you're 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 not gonna get uh luck with. You're not gonna get like a big thing that's gonna really gonna really. Yeah, you know, like last year was kind of the um the outlier, I guess, if you want to call it. Last year was where things weren't normal. Because, you know, at, at this point last year, we, we, we were still about a month away before this lockout even finished. So nothing was even happening yet. Nobody was reporting pitchers and catchers. There, there wasn't any spring training going on. Everything was being locked out at this point last year. So no moves were being made. So obviously in spring training, the Mets ended up getting uh, Chris Bassett and, you know, a bunch of other moves were made throughout Major League Baseball. Um, and you know, you're not going to see things like that this year because we're back to having a regular spring training. You know, no team is going to, at this point, is really going to be looking to trade any big-time starters to the Yankees to fill that that now big missing gap in that rotation. So you're, you're totally right. And now what the Yankees are going to be doing is they're going to be asking guys like Luis Severino, who... Look, I'm a fan of Severino. I like him as a pitcher. I think he's a very good pitcher. But the question with Severino is, can he stay healthy? And, you know, what do you think about that, Dan? That's a lot more pressure on that right-handed arm of Luis Severino going into this year now. 
Yep, that's it's it's a lot more pressure. Potentially, potentially, who knows how 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 that can go? He could be wanting. He might might maybe push the envelope a little too far for for what we know. So it it's it's literally going to play a big factor all season now. Yeah. With, yeah, that's true, man. The the Yankees' starting rotation depth is a uh, big, big question for them right now. It's very unfortunate with uh with Montas. You know, the guy's a good young pitcher. It's it's tough to see him go down in uh in that way for the Yankees. You know, uh, obviously, me and you aren't Yankee fans, but it it just sucks to see a good pitcher go down like that. And um, speaking of good pitchers going down, you know, I before we move on to the Mets today too. Did you hear that news that came out of Texas earlier today? Well, actually, I guess technically it's Arizona, but it's the uh, Texas Rangers who reported that they had to back Jacob deGrom off of throwing today because he was experiencing some tightness in his oblique. So it's already that narrative that we've had to deal with as Met fans for the last three or four years is already starting for the Texas Rangers, and he hasn't even thrown one pitch yet. Now, their general manager, former Met pitcher Chris Young, came out and said that if it was the regular season, they wouldn't even worry about it, and he'd be pitching through it and all this. But as Met fans, how many times have we heard that already? And then it turns out that he's going to end up miss us, you know, missing a significant amount of time, just like last year. So, boy, I, I got to tell you, it it was tough to watch Jake leave, but when I heard that news today. I got such a feeling of relief that he he wasn't on the Mets anymore, and we didn't have to worry about that, right? <laughs> yeah, well, well, there there is there is that relief you don't have to worry about. At the same time, I don't want to see anything like that happen to anyone. Like, skeptical. Mm-hmm. Like, eh, I don't I don't quite feel like really making a big deal of this for just so many reasons. I mean, it's like the like science parenting, and at the same time, it's like. I don't quite want to root for anyone to get hurt like that. I don't want to see that happen to anyone. Oh, yeah, yeah. Especially a guy like Jake that gave so much to this organization. And and let's not forget, the Mets won one playoff game last year. That playoff game was won by Jacob deGrom. <laughs> Jacob deGrom has four playoff wins in his Mets career, which is exactly one more than the great Hall of Famer Tom Seaver. So I, I uh, totally agree with you, Dan. I would not ever wish for Jacob deGrom to get hurt. I actually wasn't even expecting to hear anything like that when uh, I heard a deGrom update today. But I do have to say, maybe just the the Met fan part of me, it was just such a relief for me that we didn't have to worry about that anymore. That our ace, whichever one you want to choose, Scherzer or Verlander, was out there today pitching and talking and meeting with the media. So it was great to see, to sit back and watch a Verlander bullpen session and watch a Max Scherzer bullpen session and just feel pretty safe that those two guys are going to be healthy, right? At least so far. I mean, I can, I don't, I mean, it's like our history with Mets fans. Like I can't, I just never feel calm. That's understandable. But but at the same time, of course, and like I said, not just DeGrom, but anyone. I don't want to see anyone get not it's not something that I like seeing happen some anyone get hurt like that. Oh so, yeah. So I kinda I kinda felt it just didn't feel right to just just because of the the, the, the empathy or whatever it is. True, you, true. I mean empathy that you just don't wanna celebrate a guy getting hurt like that. Absolutely, absolutely. It's nothing to celebrate about, but I did feel a little bit of relief that he was no longer, you know, our problem. So, <laughs> you know, best wishes to to Jacob Degrom. I hope that he fully recovers and and pitches fully for the uh, Texas Rangers this year. I just, unfortunately, I don't, I, I don't know how realistic that is because that yeah. is the one thing that worried me. And I just gotta remember, these injuries are just. It's, it, it's no laughing matter. Not just athletes, just even a human, all right? I've known people that have gone through all kinds of injuries and stuff that, you know, it's the, the recovery is just a pain in the ass. And sometimes it's it's difficult and yeah. everything. 
some some especially so they but I, I I know people that are still that are still like going through the struggle that haven't been I know someone who got in I mean I have I have a family member that got an injury that's there it's it's a struggle still so it's like a, it's yeah. not some, and and I, that's what worries you with the guy like the Grom because a lot of those injuries don't go away forever you know they they kind of hang around. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They they kind of hang around. I've seen, I've seen it affect players. I mean, I remember remember Jose Reyes. It seemed it seemed like like the last couple of years. It looked like the, that. How many times he's injured his hamstring? It just started uh, yeah, caught up to him. Yeah, you're right. It was over and over and over again. And then obviously, you know, we saw David Wright's career come to an end because of the back. And uh, you know the these these things, man. They they catch up with you real quick, and especially when you're at the point in your career like uh, a Jacob deGrom where you're 34, 35 years old, you know, David Wright didn't even make it that far. Especially if you're getting the same injury in the same area multiple times. Yeah, yeah, it's true. You know, it, it's it's funny to, to look at a guy like um, Justin Verlander, who really has been relatively healthy throughout most of his career, Obviously, he just had the uh, the injury, um, what, a year or two ago when he had the Tommy John for the first time in his career. But, you know, it it was funny listening to Dusty Baker to talk about that. Dusty Baker talked about it like, you know, he was he had like Henry Rowengardner's arm from rookie of the year because he he pretty much said that Justin Verlander has a new arm. It, it was completely rebuilt. And it, it, it's kind of funny when you look at it like that, because. Guys from Tommy John surgery bounce back better today than ever. You know, I I feel like I would feel much more confident about a guy's ability to bounce back from Tommy John than a guy to to bounce back from the frequent little nagging injuries that a guy like Degrom seems to suffer from. Right. Well, I guess the injuries. I guess the surgery's been around for so long, and they dealt with. So many cases of, I guess, of people that that needed that surgery. That I guess maybe that's kind of a, a result of it of people of them getting good at it because they've. I guess doctors have had enough experience that they kind of have. About what to, how they could improve on a, on that surgery. Yeah, it, it's been kind of perfected, right? Yeah, yeah, I guess I guess you could say that. Like it's a it's a very far cry from when we go back to literally the guy they named the surgery after. I meant like it was a question mark if it was even gonna work out well for Tommy John. Like he just had this thing, it was just like this experimental surgery and there was question mark from I remember I I I've seen enough watched some interviews and stuff about this. And uh, it was like question marks about whether this was it was actually something that was gonna uh, was gonna pan out and was gonna be something that really, that would probably be uh, become a, a an option when a, for that for that kind of condition. And we got to remember, of course, before Tommy John surgery existed, there were players that when they got that kind of injury that would necessitate that injury. Pretty much their career is done. We look at a a player who had a, a probably one of the greatest pitchers of all time. Like I feel like if when 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 you mention baseball, I feel like there is. I mean, when you mention an era of baseball, I mean, one of the name that the guy who we who you pretty much will always link to a certain era of baseball, Sandy Koufax. I mean, you mention that name to players that I mean people who were alive then and they'll speak very highly of Sandy Koufax. He had that injury and he had to end his career. His career ended earlier than he probably would have liked. Factor because that surgery didn't even exist back then. So it's come a long way. It's true, man. It's true. I mean, Sandy, you know, was, uh, he, he had a bit of a back problem too which I think kind of made it a little bit easier for him that he just decided to call it a career. But you, you're right. Back then, a Tommy John surgery wasn't even available. It wasn't even a thought 
for for a guy like Sandy, and he just had to retire. And a, a lot of the guys, you know, Sandy, at least being so good that he was for the five or six years prior to him retiring, at least had some money to fall back on. And, you know, wasn't too bad. But there were a lot of guys that didn't even have the option to have that surgery. And they kind of hung around in the bullpen for the last couple of years. You know, that's where the bullpen back in the 50s and the 60s used to be known as, you know, has been starting pitchers that you just kept in there to eat up innings. For the most part, you know, there wasn't a bullpens like there are today where you have specialists and uh, closers and guys coming in, throwing 100 miles an hour and blowing people away. It, it really wasn't like it back then. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but some, but yeah. Also, I gotta say about the Tommy Todd surgery that about it, Justin Verlander, he didn't have a history frequently the injury. It's just the first time, hopefully the only time he's ever had that you know anything like that. So Obviously, you're right. Really, like he doesn't have a big history with the injuries. It's so that that plays a factor is the injury history also. When when someone gets an injury, is it is it something they've injured before? Yeah, yeah, no doubt about it, man. So that's definitely something that we have to be, um, you know, excited about with with uh, Verlander because you know Verlander, and we thought with Scherzer last year he kind of broke down at the end. I also want to see what Scherzer looks like with a full spring training, a full ramp up, and you know the ability to take his time this season where he doesn't have to push himself. Because also a lot of that time early on in the season before DeGrom got there, Scherzer was the the anchor of the rotation. He was the guy that they needed to keep this team afloat. And, um, you know, even though they lost him for a few weeks between May and June, he was pretty much there, uh, you know, the whole time that DeGrom was out. So, And I got to say, I, I wonder how that will play effect this time because he'll have I mean, Verlander and almost all the players on the team will roughly have a normal spring training this year. Yeah, except for the the World Baseball Classic is the only thing that's going to kind of throw a little bit of a wrinkle in there. Um, but, but yeah, you're right. I'm a, I guess you could say kind of a normal spring training since uh since Verlander and uh and uh, Scherzer are not taking part in the World Baseball Classic. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll be a normal spring training. But for them, yeah, you're right. You're right. Right. So technically, technically is technically isn't. But for for those for those <laughs> those two, they're good. It's pretty much a relatively normal spring training, full length spring training. They're not 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 a shortened spring training. Pretty much, pe- people and fans who who plan may want plans to attend spring training are not going to have their plans up in the air or anything. They were pretty much mm-hmm. able sure that they could uh, book these plane trips and uh and and do that and uh same thing around the game tickets it's no like worried about delay delays at the start of the season or wondering if we were gonna have a season like i remember that happening like oh we could have a season all this all that drama that i mean you remember that video that was like i posted on youtube that i was like oh, i'm start we can start the season like there was i was like wondering i was i was like worried about oh my god what the heck am i gonna have i'm gonna have to I guess I'm gonna have to line up stuff to binge watch. I thought last year, but look, <laughs> it did. I mean, it did got pulled off somehow. They pulled it off. They had a season. They they it kind of seemed like back in the day because they actually scheduled doubleheaders last year because they insisted they could make they can make up all 162 games. So they 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 they. they Incorporate into the schedule some double headers to make up for to make to get 162 in, and it also played a factor in the World Series going in a little bit of bleeding into November a lot more than the World Series has bled into November before. Now it might only like bleed in maybe the maybe the first two or three days in November, if if any. But it's it, still, it's still ridiculous if you're starting this. The regular season starts March 31st. There's no reason the World Series should be bleeding into November. Yeah, exactly. Like that, that felt weird that it was like, like, I think what was it, like two weeks into November. Yeah. And that point that I, something I thought I would never find during a baseball game, Christmas commercials during a World Series. <laughs> That's a good point. You're right. 
You're right. And I think there was like I forgot. I think it was like the first commercial for Lowe's or something that ran during a during the World Series. And I said, it's got mm-hmm. a net for like I I've seen maybe the the first day in November, like the World Series ended November first, but that's a little scary when I realize they're let's just convert. It's it's true, man. It's true. And, 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 you know, you mentioned something actually that made me think of something that actually the news just broke in the last 24, 48 hours. Um, You mentioned the double headers and that got me thinking about the seven inning ridiculous double headers we used to have. Thank God that doesn't exist anymore. But one thing from the pandemic season that I'm telling you, man, I just knew they were not going to get rid of this thing. Now we're stuck with it forever. The as as we like to call it, the Manfred runner, the free extra runner in extra innings, that is now forever. That they solidified that. That rule is done. We're never seeing real extra inning baseball, except for the playoffs. I guess maybe in the playoffs there won't be any ran, uh, Manfred runner. The, the rule, I firm that, that the same thing as a task. That rule is only done during a regular season, apparently. Yeah, but even so, that's ridiculous. I I hate that rule so much. It's fake baseball. They already screwed us by giving us and forcing the designated hitter down our throat, which no National League fan wanted that. And now they're going to turn around and make us take this fake extra runner, Manfred runner in extra innings. It's a complete joke. I'm telling you, Dan, what really scares me, because they've said, no, 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 this this isn't going to be the case, even though they said, no, 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 we're only going to have the Manfred runner for a season. Don't worry about it. Now we're going on, for, you know, three years going on forever. But the thing that really scares me is that I, I really believe that in a couple of years, they're already talking about doing um, an, another round of uh, of bringing in new expansion teams, which is a bad idea, if you ask me, for baseball. You you already have too many teams as it is. Uh, now they're going to do expansion, and I'm telling you, we're going to get to a situation where it's going to be like the NHL, and we're going to have, it's going to be East-West, National League and American League are not going to exist anymore, and we're going to have a division where it's going to be the Mets, the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Phillies, the Braves, all in the same division. And I hate that so much. I love the American League and the National League being separate. You know, I'm <laughs> this anger is just coming out of me right now because I, I hate it so much. What do you think about that, Dan? Do, do you think that's a possibility? Because I'm telling you, I see it, man. I don't think well, it could be, but... I just have a feeling that that's not going to happen. I, I don't know too much that that's not going to happen. There's probably, unfortunately, you might, there might be expansion teams, but at the, that, that I can't see they're going to, they're going to do that. I, I hope so, man. From, you know, as the great Joe Beningo would say from your lips to God's ears, because I, I couldn't take that. I hate the DH. But you know what? If you told me you have a choice, either take the DH and the Manfred runner, or we can have, you know, the East West, like the NBA, uh, you know, and the NHL and all that stuff. I'm okay. Give me the other two. Don't give me all three. It's you've already ruined baseball enough. It's the best sport. You've already ruined it enough. Don't, don't put the final knife in it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, no, I didn't anymore. Also, like, how the heck are you supposed to argue with a robot? <laughs> and that's coming soon, too. You're right. The robot umpires. It's going to be in AAA this year, right? Yeah, they're testing that out. I Apparently, they're testing it out in, a, in a, the minor leagues. It's going to be seen in, I think, all those minor leagues. I've, I've seen that that pitch clock thing that they're that they I noticed it at Cyclones games they were testing out the bigger bases I noticed too mm-hmm. it, I did see I did see it because I attended minor league games I saw it so I now, have seen- now what did you think when you saw it live did did you think that the pitch clock actually made a big difference like 
Or do you think that, you know, maybe in the end of the game, it'll shave off like a minute or two, but it's not that big a difference? Be much of a difference. How yeah. long? Maybe I wasn't at enough games there to really see, to really see it. Mm. And at, at enough, at enough, I've been at enough Cyclones games to see to see that. I know some people who were at most of the game, all the games of the of the of the, of the all the all the Brooklyn Cyclones games. That's, I guess maybe I could ask to see maybe get 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 maybe a consensus what they felt over the course of that how how long that took, but I didn't really get much. I didn't see much much difference at all. I didn't see much yeah. di- much difference there. At the same time, pretty much the normal time I I, I returned home from uh, when I, when I've gone when I've gone to Coney Island time for a Cyclones game. Then that so I pretty much I don't really see much difference, and I don't really expect I don't really expect much difference. I'm expecting usually the average time of game when I've attended a Met game, and usually around usually the av- the average same time I'll return home. I pretty much expect pretty much pretty much expect that. Yeah, yeah. I, from what I've seen too, I went to a few Ducks games with it too, and I didn't notice uh, any noticeable difference either. So, you know, yeah, let's they, just hope that it works out. Yeah, they were they were using that, and they're using the Ropod umpires there because yeah, because I games in that same league, like there was like like in Staten Island, the Staten Island Ferry Hawks, they're they're using that. So I saw it first time I saw a robot umpire in action as they're test they're testing it out for Major League Baseball over there. Uh-huh. I has so I saw it, but and I don't know really much what much of a difference there because I didn't I didn't see like a lot of it to really get a consensus. But mm-hmm. yeah, you know, actually, I got to uh, meet one of the robot umpires after the game that I went to, and uh, he introduced himself as Crow T Empire. So that was interesting. <laughs> umpire, I guess, I guess maybe, maybe wonder if he kind of does have qualifications to be an umpire. That, that sounds like something that's you, that's usually with, with some human fr- friend that usually what that gives me the, that's not like the name of a robot that'd be watching horrible movies with the very, built them. you're right. You're right. You know, that does sound familiar now that you mention it. <laughs> and uh you know now that we, uh, we we talked a lot of the baseball before we get out of here dan i i, I do want to mention that you know we got the uh the knicks playing some pretty good basketball lately man um really really great play out of jalen brunson that guy has been such a great pickup for the knicks i i also really like too that they traded for josh hart from indiana and he seems to be Exactly the type of guy that the the Knicks needed a, a hard nosed guy, very reminiscent to me of John Starks from the old Knicks nineties days. Except he might have to start getting that three point shot up a little bit more. But he's that hard nosed, you know, uh, guard that the the Knicks have been looking for. I, I'm a big fan of it coming off the bench. You know, what do you think? What you see in Dan lately with this team? Uh, it, it was very nice seeing them beat the the Nets and end that nine game losing streak against them the other night, right? I see, I see a team that's so far, and hopefully it continues not just this year but beyond, maybe into next year. It's gaining some momentum there. I feel like, I feel like this is if they're looking like they're having that momentum gaining season, that that really have the linger effect into next year. I think you're right, man. I think you're right there. You know, like what we talked about the Giants coming into this year was that they're they're laying a foundation. They're laying the foundation. And they did do that this year. And it really helped that they laid the foundation and still made the playoffs. So the the Giants really, you know, expedited everything that they were working towards this year. The Knicks are kind of doing the same thing. I mean, they missed the playoffs last year. A lot of people really didn't think that, you know, they were going to be in that conversation this year. They thought maybe the eight seed, maybe they'd be in the play-in tournament, but nobody thought they were going to be in the top six. And they have a legitimate shot to get in that top six right now, which is a big reason why they have to beat the Hawks tonight, who, as we're currently filming this right now, they are leading 91-76 after three quarters. So as long as the Knicks don't have an epic collapse in the fourth quarter, they should win this game and should take a uh, another shot at the Hawks 
on the Knicks climb to that number six spot. And, you know, the Nets right now are starting to get in a little bit of that free fall mode after they traded KD and traded Kyrie Irving. I really think that Knicks, uh, the, the Knicks right now sitting in the seven spot, I think the Knicks realistically can get to that Nets number five spot. What do you think about that, Dan? you think it's a realistic goal? I feel like that's a realistic goal, the way you think they're going. It, it, it feels like that. Yeah, and especially once they get guys, you know, like uh, you know, Mitchell Robinson has been out for the last few weeks. If you get him back healthy, put him back with this lineup, I think they got a pretty dangerous squad. Yeah, exactly. It's it's coming, and it, it boy, is it gonna really, really bring the momentum in our favor. Exactly, man. And hey, maybe we could get one of those, uh, you know, springs like nineteen ninety four where we got a Knicks playoff game one night followed by a Rangers playoff game the next night. Uh, you know, the, the Rangers right now are on a 20, 20 wins, four losses and three overtime losses. So they're 24 and three over their last 27 games. I mean, if, if the Knicks could put together anything close to that, then we're definitely looking at some fun playoff hockey and basketball at Madison square garden in uh you know april and may and hopefully june yeah hopefully it hopefully this city has has a it's our turn to have a resurgence exactly man just like philly you know philly went to the mls final this year and lost they went to the world series this year and lost and they went to the super bowl now and lost too so uh unfortunately for them they didn't get the job done but hey maybe we'll start getting to the uh the championship round here in New York every once in a while. That'd be nice, right? <laughs> because it's time the twins. Exactly. Finish the job, right? Yeah, because I've seen I've seen so many of these uh have I mean aside from the Giants winning for those Super Bowls mm-hmm. and then kinda fizzling. Hopefully this time it's finished the job and I might be having a place some orders for some for some championship gear. Maybe a couple of New York Daily News is on the wall. There we go, buddy. There we go. I like that. I like that. That's a that's a good way to end the show as we're coming down to the final minutes here, Dan. Before we get out of here, uh, do you have any plugs you'd like to give yourself? Sure. Bo- Bobo103NYC on Twitter. Bobo718DK on Instagram. And Daniel Curlin on YouTube for some Bobo content there as well. That's right. Always check out Dan there. And don't forget that Dan will be, I believe, the Chip Chipperson episode will be released this weekend, right? Yeah, I believe so, if I'm correct. Yeah, so do yourself a favor and check that out on YouTube, the Chip Chipperson YouTube page. Dan was a guest. Hilarious, hilarious episode again, as always, whenever he's on. Always a good time. Oh, yeah, I saw it on Patreon, yep. (laughs) That was a fun one. That was a crazy one. Absolutely, man. It, Chip always gets the best guests. Uh, it's it's always a lot of fun. So make sure to check Dan out on there. And, uh, you know, hey, if, if you want to check out our show, check us out at bsith underscore podcast. If you want to check me out, you can check out my Twitter account at Kramer, my last name, and why. And uh, you can check us out on Instagram at Best Seat in the House Podcast. Also, don't forget, if you have if you have a Spotify, follow us. We need all the followers and listeners we could get on Spotify as possible. If you don't have Spotify, feel free to listen to us and look for us anywhere else. You get your podcasts, Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Castbox, anywhere you look, we're probably there. So do us a favor and check that out. And, uh, you know, Hey, once again, thank you everybody for tuning in. I'm Rob Kramer for my co-host, Daniel Bobo Curlin. This is the best seat in the house podcast. I will catch you next week, everybody.